everyone. Welcome in to the off-season version of our live reaction show from BGN Radio. I'm Jesse Taylor. I'm here with Rachelle, as always, behind the glass. Ben Natan is here with me as well. John Stolnos will jump in with us a little bit later. But it's basically like NFL Christmas or the start to the NFL Christmas season. It's draft day, and we're about to sit here. And we, there's always already been some, some wild things that have happened, not only just with the Eagles, with trades happening already we're you know still the seahawks are on the clock the number five pick we're waiting to the eagles get to do their pick at 10 but the eagles have gotten an extra not an extra pick have swapped picks already tonight we'll talk about the jonathan gannon situation and the tampering that apparently the cardinals have decided to self-report their tampering that they executed the texans are you know doing everything they can to get their guys and you know build up that roster a little bit so Ben's going to come in with me to start. We're going to talk a little bit about the Jonathan Gannon situation, I think. I feel like we have to talk about it. And there was a tweet that I saw, and I want to give this person adequate credit because it was something that made me laugh out loud. It's regrettably Sixers Matt quote tweeted the initial tweet from Adam Schefter said, you know, announcing what had happened. And it says, Cardinals, we're going to take your shittiest coach, Howie Roseman, pay me. And I think that is unbelievable and true. You can't hear anything I'm saying. Oh my God. Can anyone else hear anything I'm saying? That's wild. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh no. Someone needs to jump into our comments right now and tell me if you can hear me. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the Jonathan Gannon situation. We'll get Ben's sound situation figured out. But basically what happened, I guess, is the... Cardinals called Jonathan Gannon right after the NFC championship game, which is technically a time period where he is not supposed to be contacted by anybody. Um, and they self-reported that to the NFL that they, they did that. So then all of a sudden what they decided to do is they decided to work with the compensation there and basically they swapped third round picks. So instead of the Eagles having the 94 pick uh, in the third round, they have jumped down to 66. So now they have 62 in the second round and then right back again at 66 in the third round. So, uh, I mean, you know, tomorrow's draft will be tremendous for us in terms of, you know, getting those, those picks a little bit close together. John's here with us and John's going to jump in and give us his thoughts on this because this, I mean, like, it's like eight o'clock, you get the ESPN notification that the draft is starting. And then, you know, all of a sudden you get this, this Schefter notification that, you know, there's some tampering issue with the Eagles and Cardinals and the Eagles are already getting, you know, what's going on? What are, what are your thoughts here? Leave it to the Cardinals to not only hire Jonathan Gannon and save us from ourselves, yes. but to also do it in a way in which they're forced to swap third round picks tampering with the process and thereby giving up essentially a mid third rounder in, in terms of overall value with the draft pick. It's, it's stunning in its incompetence and it's a beautiful thing to behold. Like somebody tampered in order to hire Jonathan Gannon, the words can't come out of your mouth without making, without it making you laugh. I mean, it's just insane. Pew, pew, pew. pew, 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 pew. That's come all I can think of. It's going to be, it's going to be a disaster <laughs> in Arizona. I, and they, I mean, they're better. Now I will say the one positive thing that the Cardinals have done tonight, I personally think they came out on top of that trade with the Texans. I don't know if you got yes, that. Yeah. Did. So 
I yeah. mean, that's a lot to give up, in my opinion, for a non-quarterback player. It makes you think, why didn't they draft Will Anderson Jr. and then trade back in for CJ? But were there you know, better trade offers out there for the Cardinals for other teams that would have been in the quarterback game? It, you don't know, but I, you know, that I thought that was, you know, a, a lot to give up for, you know, a guy who, I mean, he's obviously the best defensive player in the draft or one of them, you know, mm, arguably yeah. the best. Right. So, you, you know, you, you want your guy, you go get your guy, but so at least the Cardinals came out on top of that situation. Ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're for sure. And, um, the Cardinals are likely to get a high first round pick next year. That 2024 pick from the Texans, the Texans are likely to be pretty awful again next year. So the Cardinals could be looking at picking number two, number three, there's an outside chance they're picking one uh, depending on, on how bad uh, the Texans are next year. And so um, it's a, the, the Arizona Cardinals had to do it. And I don't know if it had anything to do with trying to recoup some of that value that they lost when they had to swap third round picks with the sure. Eagles. I probably would have made that draft pick that draft deal regardless, because you do get a ton of value there. And for a team like the Cardinals that are in re in rebuild mode, you're still picking pretty early in the first round. You get some, you get some other picks that'll help you towards next year. This is not a one year thing. It's a multi-year effort for these guys. And you know, the Eagles have for a long time, Howie Roseman has for a long time been kind of on the ground floor of, taking advantage of other general managers undervaluing their 2024 pair, the future picks, the picks for next year. And the Cardinals did that in this particular situation, understanding, you know, this is not going to be a one-year fix. So I think it was, a, I think it was actually a really smart trade by the Cardinals. I think they did a good job. I would absolutely agree. It's also just really interesting to talk about a team being in rebuild mode when you've got a, you know, hundred plus million dollar guy under center that you still can't trust, but are still paying that money. Right. Uh, that's my voice me. Ben, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> yes. What do you got think? You five by five, what man. do you think about we're we're still on this whole Jonathan Gannon situation? We've already made the pew 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 sound effects. What are your thoughts? Where where is your brain here? Um, I, I just think it's gonna be really funny when Gannon comes to Philadelphia next week or next year because the boos are gonna be probably louder than the uh than the Eagles Washington game where they sacked Wentz nine times because the thought of him, uh, you know, looking for real estate in Glendale, Arizona, while he should have been game planning for the Chiefs. I don't know. It makes me very upset. But uh, it is also very funny to considering the fact that uh, the Cardinals got punished so heavily for tampering for a coach that no one in the Eagles fan base wanted to keep. I just think that's I think that's really funny. So this is coming down the pike right now. The Cardinals are trading up. With the Lions to number six right now. Oh, no. So the Cardinals are about to go on the plaque. Do they jump in front and take Jalen Carter here? You know what? Just just rub some salt in the wound. Yeah. Go ahead. If, just let's just add one more th reason to to hate Jonathan Gannon yeah. at this point. Oh, jeez. Right? I hope they don't do it. I'm trying to think what else they would trade I, I hope they for. don't do it for two reasons. One, obviously I want him in Philadelphia. And two... Carter seems like a guy who's going to do, who's going to live to his full potential in a very stable organization and locker room that can really hold him, a coaching staff that can really be patient with him. And that is, that is not Arizona. I mean, they're the, the general management has been on the rocks for a few years. There, ownership is big time on the rocks, especially after um, poor ratings from the NFL PA and various allegations against uh, Michael Bidwell, the, uh, the president of the organization. 
and you know we all probably feel the same about Jonathan Gannon. I mean that that organization is is unstable from the top down, and for a young man to go to that to go to that team, a young man who probably needs a little bit more help early on his in his career, you would hate to see um, so much talent potentially get wasted by an organization that would have no idea what to do with them. Well, the, their pick is in, and reportedly they're going to be taking Ohio State offensive tackle Paris well, Johnson. That monologue was for nothing. Jalen Carter remains on the board. <laughs> this becomes more and more interesting. It's so funny. I mean, everyone's mock draft was shot the second the Texans took CJ Stroud. Yes. Completely shot. Yes. And I think that's the most fun, to be completely honest with you. This is this is way more fun when you have no idea what's going on. I also love when there's not a consensus number one overall pick. It just brings something a little extra into the draft because you know we can sit here and talk again for at least another 10 minutes if the Eagles are going to go, you know, offense or defense. But right now, I guess we're all sort of leaning towards defense as long as Jalen Carter stays on the board. I, I was just going to say uh, Paris Johnson to the Cardinals was uh, a pick that was floated by Albert Breer uh, a few days ago. Apparently, Kyler Murray is a really big fan of Paris Johnson. So this could be a signal that they're letting Kyler uh, really run the show and, and hoping to build around Kyler for the future, which is probably a good move if you're going to be paying a guy that much money. I was going to say, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. To, we were just talking about that as you were, as you were coming on, like it, the, the idea that the Cardinals are like in rebuild mode, but are paying their quarterback, you know, hundred plus million dollars. And, you know, that's the, the position they're in, but also in rebuild mode, like kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, it really just it, it's a testament to how poorly of a job uh, Steve Kime did during his tenure there to really fill out the roster. I mean, it, the, the roster is, you know, it, you know, if you have strong, you know, strong, positive feelings about Kyler, you know, I think he could probably be, you know, in the top 10 quarterbacks in the league at his best. Um, it's still a very top heavy roster. They have a, a few good players here and there, but there's no depth. Um, they're weak on in the trenches. And, uh, you know, there's a reason that they were picking third overall, not just because of Kyler's injury, but also because it's just a, a very, a very poorly built football team. Well, the thing that this does is it certainly puts Jalen Carter within trade up range. Really? I think, the, I think the thought was that if he falls to around seven, that sitting there at number 10, the Eagles have enough ammunition to move up and to grab him at this point. So we're, we're officially in Eagles trade up position now. Um, you know, there's a, I don't think necessarily that he would fall to them at 10. I mean, but he is falling here. He, there are a lot of teams that, a lot of mocks I saw him going to five, saw him going here at number seven to the, to the lions. And, and now it looks like, or pardon me to that six to the lions, but they traded out of that pick. And so now you've, now you're in Howie Roseman territory where he can jump up a few spots if he wants to, to go and get this kid Pro provided that that's who they're after. I mean, I mean, I think that all the indications have been reading the tea leaves that they that they love this kid, but um, there there might be you know there might be something else up how he sleeves. So who knows? This is really interesting though. I think it's falling. If the idea here was was to trade up to get Jalen Carter, everything has happened to make that happen, right? Every all the dominoes have fallen in place. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, going back to what I, I was alluding to earlier about Jalen Carter. There, there was reports early in the season, early in the college football season, uh, from uh, Lance Zerline, NFL.com, 
about Carter's maturity issues. And, you know, personally, I, I tend not to give those too much stock because it's, it's hard to it's hard to really gauge the maturity of, of you know, 20 and 21 year old, um, you know, very, very young men uh, and and, you know, put in really unique situations at, you know, all of this exposure, uh, all of this platform. And I, I generally think it's pretty unfair, but th those rumors were there. And, and if, if Lance Zerline is talking about it, then NFL teams are talking about it. Um, of course, um, there was a situation back in March where Carter was uh, had to turn himself in for charges of racing and reckless driving um, related to an accident that that uh, that killed two people. And that obviously feeds into, you know, discussions about um, maturity concerns. And the conversation ever since then has been about if he is going to be successful in the NFL, it has to be in an organization that is willing to stabilize around him. Uh, and I, I think that there's a lot of consensus also that Philadelphia is a great place for that, not just because of the coaching staff, not just because of the continuity at the general management level, but also for the very simple reason that Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean are right there in that locker room, you know, mentors, you know, older players who have a, a really good relationship with Jalen Carter, you know, a place that he would feel very at home and, you know, phenomenal player on the field, no doubt about it. He's my number one player in the class. I compared him to Geno Atkins, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, former Cincinnati Bengals star, uh, but landing in a position where he can really have, have things uh, stabilize around him is going to be really important. And Philadelphia makes a lot of sense. I think I, I thought Seattle made a lot of sense as well. Uh, in my final mock draft, I had him going to Seattle, but Philadelphia in terms of top 10 teams, uh, top 10 picking teams, Philadelphia makes the, makes the most sense as well. And to go, I mean, not only do you have guys that he's familiar with coming into the locker room, you also have the guys along the lines of the Brandon Grahams, the Fletcher Cox, the, you know, who are on the defensive side, but then you have the Lane Johnsons, the Jason Kelsey's, the people who have really built this culture that is, it, it's built to, you know, support young players coming in and reaching their potential, but also, you know, keeping their head on straight and learning how to, you know, grow into adults because you're right at, you know, 20, 21 years old, obviously, you know, th this is not to minimize anything that happened in the, in the situation, but you know, a lot of 20 and 21 year olds do dumb things, but most 20 and 21 year olds aren't star football players in in college, you know, so it's, it's, if there's something to be helped there, you're absolutely right that the Eagles are one of the best organizations for, for him in, in that kind of moment. Let's say they don't trade up to get Jalen Carter and he goes in like the next pick or two, what's the level of disappointment in the room? Is it, is it, is it, uh, is it really missed opportunity? Like when they did, when the Eagles didn't go get CD lamb, Remember when they had the opportunity, it felt like, ah, there's CD lamb. He's right there. He's falling. They have it. They can do it. And, they, and they didn't, and they didn't go ahead and pull the trigger Would it. Would it kind of feel like that? Because I also am concerned that maybe we've all been swallowing the Jalen Carter hype a lot. And I love the kid. I, I mean, I think he's a great player. He'd be, he'd be great in this, in this locker room, but sometimes I think we, we kind of get into a little bit of an echo chamber with certain players and, you know, we were kind of only seeing the the, the rosier scenario, the, the positive of bringing him on board. And um, I know 
the Eagles will take a, a really close look. They have a great team that looks into the backgrounds of all these guys and does their homework on all this kind of stuff. But um, just something to just something to at least consider to, as a, as a pumping of the brakes, I guess a little bit. I want Jalen Carter. I want them to move up, and I'm trying to determine what my level of disappointment would be if they don't go ahead and pull the trigger here. What about you guys? Uh, you know, I. I came into the day thinking about Will Anderson uh, on the Eagles and, and uh, when, when Houston took him, I was pretty bummed out, but at the end of the day, I trust this front office you know, they've really earned or earned a lot of trust over the last two years and the way that they've turned the team around after, after the 2020 season, uh, it would be a bummer. Carter is a great prospect, you know, on the field. I think he's the best player in the class, but uh, there's still other great players in this class that they, that could help the team immediately. It, it wouldn't be the best situation in the world, but um, I still I'm still very confident that, you know, there's still Bijan Robinson. There's still Nolan Smith. There's still really, really good players available at the moment who could help this team uh, day one. And that that's kind of that, that'd be my my feeling on the matter. And, and I guess like the other thing I'm feeling is like if all of those red flags are a big worry for the teams that haven't picked them yet, you know, I'm thinking of Seattle, especially. Um, maybe it's not worth the hassle. Like maybe it's like, okay, well maybe we don't have to worry about that. Um, but that that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I think at 10, there's still so many options out there that it's hard to be supremely disappointed when we got to with this, you know, you compared it to the CD lamb situation with the CD lamb situation, the rest of them were off the board. CD lamb was the last one left. And then we saw what happened, how it unfolded, and then how it continued, which made it hurt a little bit more. But yeah. I think that at ten, we're still in a spot where there, you know, there are still enough picks or players available where it's like you can't really go wrong if you choose, you know, any of these guys left, kind of deal. So I wouldn't be that disappointed. It, it would be a it would be a bummer if you know it, it pans out and he's one of the great the greatest defensive players we've ever seen. Um, but I think that there's still plenty of options there. Ben, you mentioned B. John Robinson. Where where do you guys fall on that? I know that's been like the hottest controversial topic of the of the you know lead up to the draft is that obviously, you know, the Eagles haven't valued a running back significantly in in recent years. Obviously they took Miles Sanders with a second round pick and now, you know, their running back room this year is making less than Miles is making this year with the Panthers. You know, is it if that's what, you know, kind of the philosophy that they've they've run with, you know, same same thing with linebackers over the last you know, 30 years, right? Like they they don't draft them in the first round. They take them in later rounds and then they run through their rookie deal and then they end up elsewhere. Um do you think they change the mentality? Is is Bijan that guy that they change the mentality for, or is you know, are or is that not even worth our our mental thought? I you know, in, in terms of Bijan the player, I think that he is absolutely a player worth taking very high. I think he's one of the three best players in this class. He's a you know day one game changer. He'd be the first uh, you know true three down back that the Eagles have had since Shady McCoy, um, and. And I think that's valuable. I think it's valuable because, uh, you know, one, you're trying to take more pressure off of Jalen Hurts in the backfield. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts took a lot of uh, of big hits last year as a runner, you know, especially we think about the hit against the Bears that injured his shoulder. And they're probably going to want to figure out a way to reduce that sort of mileage 
And a bell cow running back is, is a great way to do that. Their backfield right now has some intriguing players, but there's no sure thing. You know, Kenneth Gainwell looked great in the playoffs, but we've never seen him as a featured back. Rashad Penny, all the talent in the world, hasn't played a healthy season in the NFL yet. Boston Scott is a great third back, you know, a great kind of scat back, but definitely not a guy who could lead a, a rushing game. So there's a lot of not sure things that they have right now. And in terms of running back value, I think a misconception about the Eagles and about Howie Roseman is that he doesn't value running backs. And it's true. You know, they've only, like you said, they've only spent um, higher than a, a, a third round pick on a running back once uh, since they drafted Shady McCoy back in 2009. And that was with Miles Sanders. But they were very much in on Ezekiel Elliott in 2015. It took a very bad interview with Deuce Staley for that pick not to happen. Um, and they really loved Christian McCaffrey in 2017. And um, it really was the 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 Panthers loving McCaffrey um, and not wanting to move out of that spot um, for the Eagles not to get him. So there have been running backs that have absolutely been on the Eagles radar in the past. Um, truly special qualities. You know, if there's any through line between McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, it's it's three down back potential, you know, bell cow potential, which uh, Bijan Robinson absolutely has. I think we're discounting it with the, in terms of whether or not the, the Eagles might take Bijan if he's sitting there at number 10, or even if they move down a spot or two, depending on how the board falls. One of the main reasons they might, they might make this, you know, pick Bijan as their, as their guy is Howard Eskin has said he will retire if they do so. <clears throat> and so you, you can imagine that that would be a motivating factor, right? I mean, I'm all in Bijan or Buzz. Let's go. <laughs> also, I'm out. We need to take a moment for Tyree Wilson's suit because that is one of the best things I've ever seen. That's a phenomenal suit. The florals. Yeah, Tyree, Tyree to the Raiders at seven, and yeah, he is. That's that's yeah, that's a good. lot of fabric too. That's a big man. That's a large man. Did you see the way he picked up Roger Goodell like a rag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the, the Raiders are hoping he's going to do that to a lot of offensive tackles too. I'm sure. The Falcons pick is in, and they they're they're keeping the camera on Jalen Carter. Bijan, it's Bijan. Can you imagine? They are a bad, the Falcons take Bijan. They are a bad drafting organization. I wonder what they're going to do here. Are they going to get it right? The Falcons have selected oh, Bijan. Really? Happen. Oh, it's like a yes. thing. It's happening. Oh, okay, I missed. I, are the I Eagles are the one. Eagles going to be able to just sit at ten and get Jalen Carter? <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> Well, the the speculation, you know, if the Bears, I think it's between Carter and Skaronsky for the Bears, right? I think that's what the the the, the conversation has been right now. And you got to believe Howie Roseman is calling them up and saying, "All right, look, who are you taking?" Because we want, you know, we want Carter. You know, we and I think the Bears would I would be just as happy with either player. I mean, I can't imagine that they would be so in on one and not the other because both would give them real value, but on, in completely different ways. And so. I got to believe there's a phone call happening and saying, listen, you know, we really want Jalen. Would you willing to move back a pick and take Skaronsky or, or whatever? But I mean, it's, it's entirely possible. They can sit there at 10 and get Jalen Carter. Now, what would, that would freak everybody out is if Jalen Carter is sitting there at 10, the Eagles pick at 10 and they pull a different name out of the hat. You cannot yeah, discount that, that, that from suck. happening. <laughs> We're just assuming that if he's there at 10, the I Eagles lie, are going to take would really suck. If, if they drafted, uh, they drafted <laughs> Nolan Smith, I would be like, well, not I would have taken Carter, but Smith is still going to be really great here. But I, you know, th this class for me had three blue chip players, you know, day one, 
could be one of the top 10 players at their position type of guys. And that is Jalen Carter, Bijan Robinson, and Will Anderson. So if they pass on a guy like Carter uh, at 10, it would be a disappointment. We're also discounting the fact that in true Eagles luck fashion, if Bijan goes now and Jalen Carter goes to the Bears right after in the one-two right before the Eagles, that would be very, very on brand as well. Yes. And then that's that's when you either trade back or take Nolan Smith. That would that would be that would be what yeah. I would do. And I'm I'm and I'll, I'm all about Nolan Smith here at, at number 10. I mean, sometimes you don't want to overthink it. They could trade back and maybe they can, you know, maybe they can get a cornerback, you know, if they move down a few spots, but Nolan Smith is, is going to play. I mean, he's, he's, he's got, he, he's got such a great head for, for the game. And I know his production numbers weren't great in college, but again, like we said, the same thing with Jordan Davis last year, they, they really, they timeshare their, uh, their defensive line much the same way the Eagles do. So those guys just don't pile up a bunch of counting stats. And so, yeah, I, I would be, I think you really can't go wrong at 10 with those two picks. Um, but I'm, I think certainly Jalen Carter would be the more dynamic fit and a really how much production of, J- of Javon Hargrave do you think he would be able to replace? Like, is he, is he getting the same number of snaps, the same number of reps that Javon Hargrave had? And obviously he's a, all pro player. So you can't expect that in his rookie season, but how much production could we expect from Jalen Carter in his rookie season? Do you think? Well, I, I think you're probably going to see a, a bigger role for Milton Williams next year. Absolutely. Uh, and that's definitely, mm. I mean, he played really well down the stretch for the Eagles. And I think they, they, they probably think very highly of him, but the Eagles like to rotate very deep um, into their depth chart on the defensive line. So, you know, Carter's, you know, Carter in Philadelphia, theoretically, uh, would still see, you know, a, a, a much bigger snap load than let, let's say Jordan Davis was seeing before his injury. You know, Jordan Davis was was averaging around 25 to 30% of the defensive snaps before. He, oh, Hang on. Big news. Big news. Ian Rappaport reporting the Eagles have traded up one spot. They are now on the clock. All right. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Our Philadelphia Eagle. Howard Eskin just tweeted, Atlanta Falcons take running back B. John Robinson. I do not retire. Well, Damn it. We, we, we'll, we'll take that L tonight, I guess. <laughs> Please be the yeah. only L I have to take today. <laughs> Please be the only All right, so let's put our cards on the table. Is it Jalen yes. Carter? Come on, Howie, do it. Yes. You know, in, in the recent years when, when, How, when Howie has done – the thing that we all expected, it's gone well. Like, I think Jordan Davis is going to be the guy. Devontae Smith was a great pick. You know, when, when you don't overthink it, I, I think, you know, there are some picks that you don't really need to yeah. overthink. It's when you start to go galaxy brain on yourself that you run into problems. I, I absolutely agree. And it's worth noting that in both cases, Devontae Smith and the Jordan Davis picks, uh, the Eagles moved up to get both of them. Um, and they only moved up, the, I think they moved from 12 to 10 to get Smith. And they moved up from 15 to 13 to get Davis, I believe. So this is these small jumps are very much in in uh, Howie's arsenal to to guarantee he gets the player he wants. Now, um, Ed Ed Kratz of C of uh, Sports Illustrated is saying that the Eagles are sending a fourth round pick to Chicago, but they don't have a fourth round pick. Maybe are we a talking future fourth, like a, a 24 pick, like a 24 fourth. I mean, they have like eight million picks yeah. next Listen, year. If so. Howie literally swapped picks and sent them next year's four, and we had that's what it Carter, is. Yep. Why do people keep p- picking up the phone when he calls? 
I mean, like, I support it, but why do people keep answering his phone calls? Well, if you look at it from the Bears' perspective, they probably wanted Skaronsky. They were willing to take Skaronsky there. They know the Eagles aren't moving up to take Skaronsky. So they just, they, they, it's absolutely no loss to yeah. them whatsoever to, to, to get a, uh, a fourth round, a fourth round pick next year. And so that it, it, it's, you know, that makes the most sense. And uh, it looks like it's official. It is Jalen Carter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go. Again. Jalen Carter's an eagle, baby. And you know what's so funny? Mina Kimes tweeted, this draft is breaking so well for, for Philly. What else is new? Um, mm-hmm. This. This right here is new. This doesn't happen. What do you mean, Mina? Yeah. I love Mina yeah. Kimes. I, I, I guess, like, me? Howie has been balling out so much the last two years that we've, like, just totally memory hold the previous, like, three drafts that happened. Um, which is fun, you know, like, I, like I, I, he's totally redeemed in my eyes for like 2019, 2020. Uh, and, uh, yeah, everyone's just like, well, we're, we are now Philadelphia is now the, the rich get richer team, which, you know, fine by me. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's weird. I don't feel that way. It, I feel very much like, you know, the, you don't, like, I feel like Shaq's kids, right? Like, they're not, they don't have money. He has money. That's what he tells yeah, them. Right. Like, I, you're not right. rich. I am. That's how I feel because I don't feel like this doesn't happen to us. I don't, I don't feel like this is, this is normal, but I enjoy it. I would like it to continue. And, and I'm thinking here, you know, the, the Eagles let Javon Hargrave go and he signs a huge right. deal, but he's, in, he's heading into his, into his thirties. And so you you would expect the production is going to drop at some point. It might come next year. It might come two years from now. But that's a lot of money that you're committing to a player in his 30s over the next four years or whatever whatever the contract was. I'm not remembering the the length. In and now you're getting a, basically you. This is your Javon Hargrave replacement, a guy who might be the best overall talent in the entire draft. You're you're bringing a guy into a locker room and a culture that is second to none in the NFL. You're pairing him with former teammates, and uh, yeah, this is just it's it just makes it so it makes so much sense. It makes so these these last few first rounds have just made so much yeah. sense. It's lovely. It is. It's just it, it, don't overthink it. Like and and something that Sam and I talk about on Babes on Broad, like every single every single year when we're talking about the draft, it's like LSU, Georgia. Ohio State, Alabama. Don't don't overthink it. Just just take the ones that are there and do it. Yeah. Just just this go is, for it. Like don't. This is the third year. Hard. Yeah, I mean, I I think what happened too is is how he how he is like. I don't even want to say he's overcorrecting, but you know, not to relitigate something that really hurt all of our feelings. But 2020, you have Justin <laughs> Jefferson on the board, reigning national champion. Uh, take you know you take mm-hmm. Jalen Rager obviously a total disaster three straight drafts now Howie has drafted the best player from the national championship team three straight drafts you got Devonte Smith after winning a Heisman Jordan Davis after winning um the Nagurski award and now you get Jalen Carter mm-hmm. you know one of the most decorated defensive linemen in the country right off a fresh off a, a national championship win yeah, he didn't overthink it. You make the obvious pick. You pick the most talented player in the draft, and you you believe in your culture. You believe in your locker room. You bring this guy in here, and I, I wonder. You know, I think he really, 
I'll say this about Howie Roseman, and I don't know him personally. I don't know that any of us know him personally, never spoken to the man in my life, but he seems to at least be a guy who has learned from mistakes. Um, he, we saw that with the Carson Wentz contract, um, that they were willing to just eat that dead money and not fall victim, you know, to all the different fallacies with, with, you know, the sunk costs and all that kind of stuff. And to learn from trying to squeeze a guy in ahead of where he should be picked because of a perceived fit. Like they tried to do with Jalen Rager over a guy like Justin Jefferson, who we, it wasn't hindsight. We were all yelling and screaming in the moment that it was the wrong decision to make. And again, that was one of those things where they, where they got to create, they thought too hard. They, they galaxy brained it. And I think we're just seeing in Howie Roseman, like you were saying, Ben, a, a correction to that because this is the smart decision. It's the obvious, sometimes the obvious decision. You just, you, you thank the heavens that a decision is so clear and you just make it. And you don't say to yourself, gosh, well, why is, you know, why is he here? Is this, maybe we should go in a different direction. I mean, you could talk yourself out of it, 100%. but um, I'm, I'm so glad they didn't. Do yeah. It. And, 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 you know, the, ahead, the, the last thing I want to say is that uh, two years in a row, uh, 2021, 2022 drafts, uh, they drafted two players from the reigning national champions. You know, we got Landon Dickerson too, and we got Nakobe Dean last year on top of Jordan Davis. Could they make it three in a row with their the the 30th overall pick? Maybe drafting a guy like uh, Darnell Washington, or maybe wanting to move up and 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 grab Nolan Smith as well. I think I think that's that's well within uh, what's possible. Oh, here we go. Here's the official Goodell call. By the way, did you see what um, what uh, Jalen Carter's mom was wearing tonight? The dress, the color dress that she was wearing. Midnight. There you go. <laughs> they knew, they knew it was happening. They knew it was happening. You're never going to convince me otherwise. Never going to convince me otherwise. Go birds. You, and, you, and you, uh, just the look on his face is I get to play with Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean again. Yeah, he's how happy yeah. is that guy? I mean, goodness gracious. That's awesome. That um, makes me that that's another good suit too. I yeah. like that color. Jordan Davis and, and uh Jalen Carter are about to terrorize uh offensive guards and centers for the next 10 years. It's gonna be beautiful. Oh. And Je Jeff McLean was uh reporting was tweeting out um that uh the Eagles apparently had been calling up cut teams in the over these last few minutes you know not just the bears but calling up to the teams in front of the bears about potentially moving up and as it turns out he didn't have to trade with any of those teams they weren't picking carter and i you know it's just it's been I, i'm i'm surprised he fell i'm but you know whenever you're, you there's always something you don't expect and you didn't expect the texans to pick yeah. two and three in this draft and and to screw things up and and so it's it's just that's part of the fun of this you know you read all the mocks and then the Texans, you know, trade up and pick two and three in the draft and just throw everything out of whack. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a good fit. It's a, it's a perfect fit for what they're doing. And uh, if you're, if you're another team, I mean, this is, this Eagles team has the best team, the best quarterback in the NFC. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They're primed for another Super Bowl run this year. And they're sitting here picking nine and getting the best defensive player in the draft. It's not fair. You know, these other teams who are picking in the top 10, you've got the, the the Panthers and the Texans and the Colts and the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Raiders and the Falcons. And the, they, these teams all stink. And then you have the Eagles sitting here amongst these top 10. This is they're not going to be drafting this high again for a number of years. So they they really did have to go after it and and get this guy. And the fact that they didn't have to cannibalize what few picks they have this year in order to do it, it was also a great thing.
Yeah. And now the question is, they still got that other, they got that still got that other first round pick. I'm, I'm excited to see what they, what they do with that. Well, I, it's interesting. The Will Levis situation, um, seeing, seeing how far he might fall can knock some of the other quarterbacks back a little bit. I really do think another team's going to come calling at number 30 to grab maybe one of those back end of the first round quarterbacks to get that fifth year rookie option on that guy and, and allow the Eagles to, to trade back into the second round. I, I think that would be the most, if, if those guys, if one of those guys is still available, then I think the Eagles should absolutely do that. Yeah. I think I, you know, uh, now that we're, we're about to get out of the top 10, the next big pivot point in the draft is going to be the 11th pick what the Titans decide to do. I think it's very possible that the Titans go quarterback. I agree. I mean, uh, I, you heard all the Derrick Henry rumors going around. I don't know how close he is or was. I don't know how close the team is to moving on from him, but uh, I, I certainly think Ryan, they don't have a whole lot of, yeah, they got to, they got to find a, a future. That's not Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill had a nice couple of seasons there, but he has a hard time staying healthy and he's just not an elite guy. And we're seeing you, you need to have somebody like that. I, I absolutely would. If I was, you know, you got to have that quarterback. And if, if I'm sitting there and I'm the Titans, I'm absolutely looking at quarterback. If I, if I see one, I really like, and you know, some people were talking about Levis as like the number two or number three overall pick at one point. So, I mean, it's, I think you're right. I think, and I think it's a, it's a fascinating position to be. And if they don't go quarterback, then he falls even further. And, you know, that enhances the Eagle, the possibility the Eagles move out of number 30. Yeah. I mean, it, it's worth noting, you know, with, with uh, Tennessee now has a new general manager, um, Mike Vrabel, you know, during his time there has not been able to handpick a quarterback. You know, he kind of he, he inherited the uh, the Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill dynamic. You know, Tannehill stepped in and had a, a, a you know, a career renaissance. And, and, you know, like you said, played played a few really good years down in Tennessee. But this is an opportunity for Vrabel to, to you know, make his mark on the franchise and, and pick a guy. And I think Levis makes a lot of sense. He has the potential, the arm, the athleticism, the size. Uh, to be a franchise quarterback. And if, you know, he is to sit for a year behind Tannehill, that's fine. But if they want to move Tannehill and, and let Levis take the reins immediately, I think that's also fine. He's in the last year of that contract this year? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, if they want to let him take the reins, I think that would make sense. But also there's also like no harm in letting him sit for a year and make sure that he's ready to go. Definitely. And just let Tannehill play that out and not yeah. and the, the, stress him. There's also the dark horse possibility of of them drafting Hendon Hooker here, which has been a name that we've heard a ton of over the last few weeks. A, a guy that teams are are very high on. Personally, you know, he's a 25 year old rookie. He's coming off a, a knee injury. I think it's very risky. But everything I've heard about Hendon Hooker is that he is interviewing extremely well, and franchises put a lot of priority on character and leadership qualities for the quarterback position. So, you know, and you can't discount the Tennessee connection, of course. Uh, so I think that that is a, also a small possibility as well. I think the Titans can and, and should go quarterback here, uh, but we will see. Adam Schefter just tweeted out uh, by drafting Jalen Carter at nine. Howie Roseman's record remains intact. He has never actually Adam Schefter accidentally tweeted that she has never. I, I think he was typing wrong there. He has never drafted a running back, cornerback, tight end, or safety in the first round. 
but there is another, if they pick number 30, there is a chance they could break that streak, but um, still never, never picked a guy at any of those positions in the first yeah. round of the draft. He's a trenches. I, and it's funny because I think if they do stay at 30, it will be one of those positions. It will be Jameer Gibbs, Darnell Washington, or. Oh, wow. Wow. Darnell Wright. Wow. What pick. are you doing? I think Chicago? that's, I think that's, I think that's a Do fantastic you? pick. Darnell Wright was my uh, my number two ranked offensive tackle behind Paris Johnson. Um, he was the only person who was able to slow down Will Anderson at all. He's a big, heavy-handed offensive tackle who can keep Justin Fields safe, but also grind it out in the run game. I really like that pick by the, by the Bears. It's a little bit out of the box. I don't think a lot of people had Wright as a top ten pick, but. Uh, I think that's I think that uh, that's going to be a slam dunk for them. Marcus Spears tweeted, "I hate Howie Roseman because he's so good at his job." <laughs> awesome, <laughs> man. We weren't saying that two no, years ago, not. were we? How we times change. I mean, he he created um, all the problems that he had to fix. Yes, they were all his fault. But I appreciate that he fixed them and was self aware enough to do so. Because there was a period of time in there where I thought that he was kind of just like, "I gave you a Lombardi Trophy. I can do whatever the hell I want," kind of thing, like you're just just you kind of a little bit blinded by the shine of the Lombardi but uh, he's he has been self-aware enough to course correct and whether it's in in overcompensation or not no no notes no complaints from me and I will say too there there's a level of humility that this team has shown over the years which I think is a is a lesson for for other franchises and organizations to to be able to admit that you've made a mistake or that your approach was faulty or or something and and to then say yeah we're not going to do that that way again and we're going to do things differently and to and to admit that and to just own it that's a level of maturity that you don't see from a lot other a lot of other organizations and general managers and i think it creates a culture of accountability among the players too. I mean, everybody's holding each other accountable and holding themselves accountable. And Howie Roseman's doing that as well, along with Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie's involved in this process, maybe as much, if not more than any other owner, other than, you know, uh, Jerry Jones. And so, you know, there's just, it's the culture works here because there's a, a level of humility, I think, in the decision-making process of, um, realizing past mistakes and learning from them. And that's, you know, what you, what you hope that your front office does. It's the, the teams that keep making the same mistakes over and over again, year after year, are the ones who lose for 20 years in a row. This is also a good point here from, from Patrick that, you know, he does have something that most GMs don't have and it's, it's really significant job security. So, I mean, and you know, winning a Super Bowl does help you with that, but you also saw that winning a Super Bowl didn't necessarily give Doug Peterson that, for example. So you know, while Doug Peterson didn't really get the opportunity to course correct, and obviously, you know, we don't really know what Doug wanted to do or not, or if, you know, that meeting was, listen, I don't really want to do this anymore kind of thing. Who knows? But, you know, Jeffrey Lurie did give Howie Roseman the opportunity to learn from the mistakes and improve. And it's a good point that most GMs really can't think about five years down the road. I mean, think about the Titans GM who got fi got fired right after they lost to the Eagles. Like he traded away AJ Brown and then got fired after AJ Brown torched them in a different uniform. Like there wasn't an opportunity to course correct on that or possibly, you know, fix that decision. Now, were there other things that he did prior that might've gotten him there? Maybe, but was also not, you know, we thought in 2020, we were looking at 
three to five years of top 10 picks, not because we traded for them. You know, like we thought we were looking at some really, really, really tough times to come. And here we are, you know, two football seasons removed from that and we're in the Super Bowl. So that's a really good point that most GMs don't have that luxury to be able to kind of set themselves, you know, if if there is something that sets them back so far to be able to course correct and and take the time to do that. The other, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, the NFL changes so quickly and, 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 and with Howie Roseman being here for as long as he has been, there's been so many opportunities given to him with that, that job security to, to adjust to how the league is now playing, the ways that the game is changing, the, the, the different values on different positions. And sometimes he's found himself behind the curve and sometimes he's found himself ahead of the curve. But there's an organizational understanding at the highest level, you know, from from Jeffrey Lurie that giving Howie the ability to adjust to what the rest of the league is doing has been the best for him and, and of course, been the best for the team as well. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Looking like uh, you mentioned the Titans um, at number 11 here with a key pick. Looks like they're going with Skaronsky at number 11, wow. Ben. Not drafting Will Levis. Yeah, you're going to get an offensive lineman to block the quarterback you're yes. not drafting. So that's an interesting <laughs> theory. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I think, so, I mean, this, I think, again, this is good news for for the Eagles. These Some of these quarterbacks falling um, in the middle of the first round and they could be falling later into the first round. Cause now you're starting to get to some teams that have quarterbacks that aren't looking to take a quarterback here in the first round of the, uh, of the draft. And so, uh, it's kind of setting up well again for, for the Eagles to, to kind of make some noise at, at number 30. Um, and you know, I don't know, was there a chance they would trade up from number 30? We, nobody's talked about that as a possibility and it doesn't, make a whole lot of sense. I don't think uh, unless somebody unexpected falls, but let's, let me, let me just, let me do a little chaos at you here. Let's say Hendon hooker or will Levis. Let's say will Levis is there at 30. They, they trade, they trade out of that pick, right? I mean, they're not, they're not taking a quarterback like they took Jalen hurts when Carson Wentz signed the deal as like a a long-term backup kind of option. That's not happening, right? Absolutely not. Not, not, not with a fifth year option uh, on on the table. I, I, yeah. Good call. Good call. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think a trade-up is, is possible as well. I mean, 
I, I still think there are possibilities for, you know, the commanders are still are still up, the Lions are still up, the Bucks are still up, uh, you know, the Seahawks as well. I mean, there's still a lot of quarterback needy teams that are picking mm-hmm. over the next 10 picks. So yeah. any one of them could could try to get Levis or, or maybe even Hendon Hooker. And uh, that would just push other talent down. So, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is still on the board. He's one of the best players in the draft. You know, we've talked about Nolan Smith already. I, I know there was an Adam Schefter tweet about the positions, how he hasn't drafted. But, you know, Brian Branch, um, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington. And, uh, you know, there's still always the, the looming possibility that, that the Eagles want to get a running back. And, and Jameer Gibbs is, is probably going to be there at the, uh, the second half of the first round as well. Mm, nope 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 it looks like at number 12 overall the lions are taking jameer gibbs are they trading that's just coming oh wow yeah i'm on i'm on the i'm on my tweet deck while we're doing this and it's coming in like way faster than espn so (laughs) i'm jumping the gun on everybody i'm sorry (laughs) but no yeah that's what it looks like with pick 12 it looks like the lions are going to take jameer gibbs wow that dream died so quickly. That's two running backs in the top 12. Two running backs in the top 12. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, Jameer Gibbs is an interesting player because he was playing in Georgia at Georgia Tech uh, and, and then was able to move into the Alabama offense. And, you know, spending one year in a true pro-style offense with, with a legit offensive line, he looked fantastic running the ball. But more importantly for the modern NFL, he's probably the best pass-catching running back to come out of college football since Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's running uh, wide receiver level routes uh, at a very high level and has soft hands. I mean, he's, he's fast as hell, uh, you know, four, three speed. And uh, he makes a ton of sense in, in, in a Lions offense that loves to run the ball and loves to get the, the ball in the hands of the running back in the, in the passing game as, as well. So I think that's a great pick by them. People might poo poo it because of, you know, the strong feelings about running backs in the first round, but that's a player who's going to come in on day one and, uh, you know, touch the ball 20 times a game for that team and, and, and help them bring, bring them into the next level. Mike Rabel looks a little bit happier than he did when AJ Brown was traded. <laughs> it's a different first round for him this time around. <laughs> He's not walking out of the war room, storming out and no. slamming the door behind him. It's, I'm kind of, it's kind of interesting. We haven't seen any any big trades of NFL players like we saw last year with A.J. Brown. I thought maybe we might see something like that, like a DeAndre Hopkins or something move here in the first round, or uh, Buda Baker might get get moved or something like that. But it, it doesn't. I mean, that once the once the Aaron Rodgers trade went through, uh, and Lamar Jackson resign, you know, signs with the with the Ravens. I guess we're not going to see any teams move some some marquee players here in the first round. I mean, there's still time, but. Um, we saw it earlier in the draft last year uh, than we have so far this year. Yeah. yeah. Since the text from the Eagles jump, it's been relatively calm and straightforward, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that a lot of player deals went down this offseason, I don't think any any major player deal went down this offseason where somebody got moved for a first round pick. So I think the market for veterans is a little bit um, less high paying than maybe it was a year ago when you had so many guys get moved for really high values, you know, AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill and Russell Wilson. Um, and it's possible that, that, you know, those guys, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Buda Baker and, and maybe Derek Henry, they get moved on day two instead. Wait, the lions, 
I think are going to be a very, very tough out next year. And they have, you know, they just got, they're, they're going to pick Jameer Gibbs here. They have five picks now this year in the top oh 55. Goodness. Um, Actually, and it's actually five of the next 43 picks starting at number 12. This is, a, I mean, they have five picks in the first and second round that they can add to a, to a team that already has a lot of talent on it. That's a, you know, that's going to be a scary team next year, provided Jared Goff doesn't Jared you know, Goff? fade into the fade, provided, Jer- you know, yeah, provided the, Jared Goff doesn't just Jared Goff all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do the Homer Simpson meme where he fades back into the bushes, <laughs> but yeah, provided he doesn't Goff, it's they, they, that is going to be a scary team. That is going to be a scary team to play next year. They were scary this year. Yeah, they're they're, so what they're, are the doing? they're a tough team under Dan Campbell. It'll be interesting to see how they adjust to the the Jamison Williams suspension to start the season, but they still got a lot of talent on that football team, and, and now they got a guy that they can really get the ball to um, in so many different scenarios. And I guess this might mean the end of the DeAndre Swift era in in Detroit. I know I know that there that was not a really great fit with Swift and, and the Dan Campbell coaching staff, uh, which is unfortunate because Swift is a really talented player. So I wonder if Swift gets moved in the next few days as well. Oh, they look high. Well, let me throw this at you. The, the Eagles probably are still a running back short. Deandre Swift is a Philly native. Does he fit? What would you, you know, what would you, I mean, you're probably looking at giving up something in 2024 for him. I can't imagine it would cost yeah. a ton. I, I think he's definitely a guy worth taking a flyer on. You know, he's been hurt. He was hurt kind of early in his career. And then this year he got out snapped by Jamal Williams, who who had a really fantastic season. So that's true. You yeah. know, he's kind of, he, he just hasn't had great luck since entering the league, but he, he was a fantastic player at Georgia. Like you said, he's from Philadelphia. And, uh, I, you know, I think he'd be a good fit with the Eagles, especially as a pass catching back. Now he's from Georgia. We only take yeah, Georgia and players. Yeah. And he's from, he's from Georgia. <laughs> let him join the crew. So what do the Packers do here now? What, what are the Packers? What are, what are they without Aaron Rodgers? They, they could do a few things if they, I think probably the savvy move would be getting a weapon for Jordan Love, uh, someone someone that they could really depend on um, from day one. You know, maybe uh, it's uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo would make a lot of sense here. Maybe they want to get a tight end with Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington. But they could also go with a defensive player. I mean, the best players left in the draft, as far as I'm concerned, are Christian Gonzalez and Nolan Smith, both of whom would really help the the, uh, the Packers on the defensive side. As we saw, they got they got gashed last year uh, against the Eagles trying to stop the run. And, you know, they have an expensive defense, but they weren't really able to stop people when it counted last year. So adding adding defensive prospects would make a lot of sense, too. Also, in case you were wondering, um, I don't even know what show this is that Micah Parsons has been joining tonight. Oh, it's the Bleacher Report Gridiron show. He nearly walked off the set after the Eagles took Jalen Carter. Oh man! <laughs> In case this wasn't sweet enough for everyone, all right. I don't have anything. Looks like uh, looks like the Jets. Uh, the Jets traded up with the pack. You know, traded with the Packers for this for pick Were number thirteen here. With the Packers? And it looks because that was yeah, the, that was the Jets pick, right? What? 
Yeah, they're, and I think they're making, well, okay, I'm a little confused. Maybe I'm looking at something weird on online here. So who's the Packers picking? right now are Packers. picking. And the pick is in. Yeah, the Packers are picking. Okay, then what I saw was was not right. Yeah, okay. So I was about to be like, whoa. <laughs> what are yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> something happened there. And I haven't seen anything yet. I'm trying to. It's defensive end Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness to the Packers at that's, 13. That's a decent pick. That wouldn't be the pick that I'd make, but clearly they clearly see the defense as still being a big need. Lucas Van Ness is a raw defensive end out of Iowa. Didn't get a wasn't playing a ton of snaps uh, like you'd want necessarily from a, a first round defensive lineman, but clearly very talented. He tested well uh, at the combine, and you know his best football is probably still ahead of him. So. I, I like this pick. I, I think it, it makes sense with their needs. Um, and they also have a deep and, and young defensive front, so they'd be able to rotate him in, and they don't necessarily have to throw him you know, right into the fire immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I think the temptation would be to grab, like you said, an offensive player to give to Jordan Love. Um, and I think if there was somebody there that they that they love, they would do that. But there's no stud wide receiver. Like, there are good wide receivers in this draft, but there's nobody that you're sitting there and you'd be saying, like, oh, this guy's an immediate star. You put him on the field with Jordan Love, and all of a sudden you've got a number one. There's no, you know, Ben, you know better than I would, and Jess, you probably know better than I would, too, on this, but there's no wide receiver that's like a Devontae Smith sitting here at this point. So No, you're up, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we've, been, we've been spoiled the last few years with, with wide receiver prospects. I mean, even looking... Last year, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, both coming out of Ohio State, had a thousand yards as rookies. Um, you know, Christian Watson was was a very good rookie wide receiver as well. And there were some others with with Jahan Dotson uh, doing pretty well, especially early in the year. And uh, Drake London also down in Atlanta. But this year, you know, I think the best prospect of this wide receiver class is Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I think there's a pretty big gap after him. You know, some guys that would be you know, could be first round picks in the right context, but I don't see a lot of players in this wide receiver class that are surefire number one receivers on any offense. A lot of, a lot more complimentary guys where their success is mostly going to be dictated by uh, the, you know, the, the team that they get drafted onto. One of my favorite so, things about draft night is when the players aren't in the green room and they have cameras set up at their house and there's one girlfriend sibling family member that dives in the camera to like tackle them and there's you see the arms coming to rip the, yeah there that was that was clearly like a little brother or a cousin that that just happened to and that was tremendous <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic uh the the online community is filleting the lions jameer gibbs pick i mean just filleting it it's ugly out here guys it's really the 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 anti-running back stuff is so interesting because you know you're drafting a guy for their rookie contract um you know everybody's like well you know you're not drafting for uh you know it's not going to be a 10-year player but it's like if you can get a really good player for five years a guy who's going to really turn around your team it's like why don't why don't you take him uh, and I think people overthink running back value. Um, whereas, you know, running the ball is important in the NFL. How you get that running production varies from team to team. Gibbs, I think, is is a pretty unique talent and also is a value add in the passing game as well with his receiving skill. So, 
I don't know. I, I, I think that people are very uh, narrow minded about about running backs in the NFL right now. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe there's eventual turnaround on that. But I think it's a good pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a good pick. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is they also gave David Montgomery a contract and brought him in this offseason as well. So I think that's part of the mm -hmm. the thing. They still have, you know, the three they have in there and then just, you know, obviously they're going to part with one. But and then they they pick Jameer Gibbs. So I think that goes into the logic here that they're just kind of thinking, like, what are the Detroit Lions doing with their resources at the moment? Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, the. They've got so many wide receivers there already. They didn't need any. They didn't need any offensive skill position players. They've got a good offensive line already. Is Lucas Van Ness really that much better of an expenditure at twelve instead of Jameer Gibbs? Right. I mean, like th that's the argument here. Like grabbing a defense, they need help on defense. Although I think they've made some improvements this offseason. But is getting you know if you take Lucas Van Ness there just because of the positional difference? Like is is that? so much better of a pick than Jameer Gibbs to be worth all the hand-wringing. And I don't know that it is. I mean, offense wins in this league. So um, I would not have been upset if the Eagles took Bijan at 10, to be perfectly honest with you. I was not on that bandwagon. I didn't think it would be the necessarily the right pick, but I wouldn't have been mad about yeah, it either. And, and the other thing with, with Detroit is you can't discount what how they view the Jamison Williams uh, suspension. And not just what that means for, you know, Williams himself – but also for the fact that you're losing a vertical element of your offense. I mean, Williams was drafted specifically because he could take the top off of defense. He changes the defensive calculations. You bring the safeties way back, and that creates space in the middle of the field. Gibbs, you know, it's a different position, but Gibbs is a home run threat. You know, anytime he touches the ball, he has the speed to take it to the end zone. He forces the defense to stretch out and account for that speed if he's lined up in the backfield or if he's lined up out at wide receiver. And I think that they really want to make sure that they have that element in their offense at all times, because that's how you create space for a guy like um, Amon Ra St. Brown to, you know, catch a million passes in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, they want to be, make sure that they're threatening deep, be it with a running back or the wide receiver. And, and the Gibbs pick makes a lot of sense. I mean, nobody, the only person who touches the ball more on offense than, uh, than a running back as a quarterback. So making sure that those touches are being maximized, even if you, you have a David Montgomery there, uh, you know, Gibbs is, I think, I, I think in the right context, Gibbs can be a really special player. And obviously the Lions agree with that. So we have a trade that just happened. The Steelers have just jumped up in front of the Jets. Um, I guess they were at 17. So jumped in front of the commanders in front of the jets trade with the Patriots for the number 14 overall pick. So we'll see what this has in store for us here. Looks like they're taking offensive tackle Broderick Jones with this pick. They could, they could use some offensive linemen. That's probably a mm -hmm. good, a good idea on their end. Yeah. In my, in my final mock draft, well, I had them taking Darnell Wright because of how, <laughs> how much they need to put uh, offensive linemen around Kenny Pickett. And and I think Broderick Jones is a really excellent pick. I think he has the physicality that they love in Pittsburgh. He can play guard. He can play right tackle. He can play left tackle. Uh, just an instant impact, uh, you know, day one offensive lineman. I think that's a, a really good pick by them. And definitely, I mean, picking in the trenches in this stage of the draft, you're not going to go wrong uh, at this point, you know, because 
you've got a young quarterback too. You know, they're they're trying to keep they're trying to keep off the ground, and you these guys are investments, and so it yeah, makes a lot it's of sense. very clear that that the Jets wanted Broderick Jones too, um, because they they had to make that jump in order to get him. So what do the Jets do now? They got to take. Are they happy with the weapons? They yeah, have I, I think I think they could take um, Njigba here. I think it, it makes a lot of sense, especially after they traded Elijah Moore. It gives them it gives them somebody who can play in the slot at a high level. But they could also go defense. They could. There's still offensive linemen that they could get. You know, there's uh, Osiris Torrance who can play a guard. Um, they could look at Dewan Jones or Anton Harrison to play out a tackle. So. There's a lot of different options for them. I just want to point out that Christian Gonzalez, Nolan Smith, I still think two of the better players in this draft are still on the board. And, um, you know, for, for defense needy teams, it, it would, it, I, it's, it's surprising that they've been passed on at this point. Yeah. So I think what we're planning on doing here is we're going to, React through the only other pick, you know, in the the top 15-ish of the division. So we're going to get to the commander's pick, see what they do, and then we're going to wrap up. But before we do that, we're going to bring Rachel in to check in on Twitter and the uh, three-word uh, reaction to the Eagles pick and see what everybody is saying on Twitter and how, I mean, I think we all know how excited everybody is, but Eagles fans never cease to amaze us, right? So let's check in and see what we've got going on here on, on, on the Twitter. It doesn't look like we have Rachel. No, we're working on it eventually. Yeah. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. At a quick scroll, I'm not going to steal Rachel's thunder here, but at a quick scroll, it's looking pretty positive. But, you know. Well, I mean, I think my three words would be, I'm so happy. I, yeah. mean, I, <laughs> I think it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it really is, you know, the, a perfect match um, between player and team. And I, yeah, you're right. It's, I would love to see three words from a fan who's upset about this. Like, what's the rationale? I get. I mean, the the only the only drawback that I think anybody could rationally have is is worrying about off field stuff. But I think that this is a really good position for for Jalen Carter to be in to to mitigate all of that and, and hopefully kind of put all that stuff behind him. Yeah, I mean, okay. So it looks like Rachel's having a little bit of technical difficulties here for some reason. So just to go through some of them quickly, you know, the the first one that pops up. Better than Bijan. <laughs> we've got a we've got a dreams come true. Uh, That's a good perfect one. pick. Yeah. Um, and then someone naturally confused about why we needed to move up one spot to get him. One, duh. Two, not three words. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's that's the only that's the only negative one here. Yeah, I mean, the, the only reason you move up is if other teams are trying to move up as well. And, and and you know, the the Bears were obviously fielding multiple calls about about that pick, and, and the Eagles made the best offer, which was a fourth-round pick, and you only have to move back one spot. Right, and it, it doesn't – it wasn't 
Yeah, like we said before, why do people keep answering Howie Roseman's calls? Like, it, yeah, right. it, there's no harm, no foul on that one. Somebody, you, you got to think that there's a GM out. Every GM is like, I will be the one to outsmart Howie Roseman here. Um, everybody wants to be the first. It's like, what's uh, that? I, I'm thinking of like a a, a show or, or something. I can't even put my finger on like, I just have like th- this like scene in my head where someone like convinces, like, you know, manipulate someone into thinking that they've just made the best decision and whatever they did. And then they walk out and they're like, yeah, that's right. that's great. <laughs> like they call and how we could like, they're convinced that they just won this trade and this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then they walk out and see what happened. And they're like, wait a damn minute. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I think the bears, I, I don't think, I don't think Howie Roseman with this with moving up one spot. I don't think this was necessarily like brilliant Howie. And I think Howie's great. This is a great pick, you know, not going to argue with that pick at all, but the bears weren't going to take Jalen Carter. They pretty clear that they were not going to, if they really liked him, they would have not traded back a spot. The fact that they traded back a spot to pick the player that they picked means they probably weren't going to take Jalen Carter anyway. So you're sitting there and you're like, well, we're not going to take this player anyway. This team wants to move up one spot and they want to give us a fourth round pick next year. Sure. Like I'm not even going to bother trying to get a third out of them next year. I mean, this is, we're gaining, we're losing absolutely nothing and gaining a fourth round pick next season. And, and for the Eagles, it made sense. It just, it, it made sure that they got it, that they, that they got them. But I think the fact that the, the bears um, made the move, I, I think it was just, I think it was smart a smarter move by Chicago to, to just pick up a fourth round pick next year for literally doing exactly what they were going to do yeah. anyway. So good for the bears. I mean, I think that was smart. I I absolutely agree. Thank, thank you to uh, Ryan Poles for being uh, the trade partner in that. <laughs> because it's entirely possible. The Eagles could have just stood Pat. The bears would have taken, uh, who did they Darnell take now? Right. I'm blanking on who they took because the offense, Thank you. Yeah. And, and they would have gotten uh, Jalen Carter at 10 and kept the fourth round pick next year. But that is also the advantage of having all those picks next year. You can, you can trade a fourth away and it, you really don't feel. I'm it. an enormous fan of Nolan Smith playing cards <clears throat> with who I assume to be his mother while sitting, <laughs> waiting to be drafted. Can you tell what they're playing? What are they it playing? It literally looked like they were playing like go hole? fish or something. I, like they had the court okay. in between them on the couch, just like just very casually playing. He also has his whole squad in all white, which I'm also a fan of. But the cards thing was actually pretty funny. The the <laughs> the Nolan Smith lore is that he is really really big on on uh, chess and cards. Um, there was like an interview with him mm. where he says that he plays chess all the time and it makes him a better football player. So I'm <laughs> very, very on brand for him to be uh, playing a card game during his draft party. That's funny. All right. The Jets look really excited. Is Aaron Rodgers in the war room? You'd assume they just let him right on in there. Well, I hope they FaceTimed him because <laughs> he, he doesn't talk first. to anybody. <laughs> Got to make they sure you're FaceTime. Really Don't even bother him with a phone call. They should take if they take Christian Gonzalez here. I think that I mean they could go with another offensive line or an offensive uh, skill player, but pairing Christian Gonzalez with with Sauce Gardner would make that defense really scary. The Jets are picking Edge Will McDonald from Iowa State. It appears, huh? Yep, that's the pick. 
That's interesting. Man, people's okay. teams' boards are so much different than what we think is going to happen. I like when that happens to everybody else. That's not my own team. Yeah, that's a little bit. I mean, Will McDonald, people have talked about Will McDonald as being a potential first round pick. Um, he was a really good player at Iowa State, but he's a little bit older. I believe he's a 24 year old prospect. He's a little bit smaller. And when you look at smaller guys who are depending on quickness and snap anticipation at the college level, it's hard to project that to the NFL in a way that feels um, confidence inspiring. Obviously, Robert Sala has a great feel for defensive players, and he's fielded great defenses over the course of his coaching career. Um, so maybe he he sees something that 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 I'm not able to see right now. But I will say that's a little bit of a head scratcher. Well, the commanders are up next. So what are we thinking here? I mean, this is a team that's always hurting for skill position players on offense. No wide receivers have been taken. They could also get Christian Gonzalez here at cornerback. Do they have a quarterback that they would like to continue with? Will Le- maybe Will Levis? Could they, they go they after could a go quarterback after here? Levis. That's a good thought. Um, they could go I after Will like Levis here. It would be it, it would be a smart pick by them, which means they probably won't make it. Um, <laughs> and uh, right. but I mean no, I mean but it makes a lot of sense too because you know you're bringing new ownership in. Um, this is this is it's kind of like a fresh start, and uh, Levis makes a lot of sense. I, I do think that all the the we love Sam Howell stuff that has been coming out of the Commanders over the last few months is all noise, and uh, it'd be it, it it would be great for them if one of the top prospects fell into into their lap. Yeah, that's a lot like the all the noise we heard about how much the Eagles love Zach McPherson last yeah. year. Um, you know it's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we'll see. I mean, but if they do give him, if they do go out and get a, a wide receiver here, that does signal that they really do like Hal. And, you know, they also, you know, they've got Jacoby Brissett and they're in such a weird position right now. Like if they want to win this year, they have they have some talent on that team that, you know, as a 500 team last year, they win a couple more games this year. They're in the playoffs. And so if you if you want to win this year, Jacoby Prissett makes more sense than Sam Howell. But at some point also, you have to plan for the future a little bit. So if, if they don't love Sam Howell, you can start Jacoby Brissett this year. You can, you, and you can get Will Levis and, and kind of have him learn under Jacoby Brissett for a year and, and have him go next year. But they just are in such a weird place right now in terms of where are they going? Yeah. The, the whole, I mean, I think what's happening in the locker room and on that roster is a, is a, is a good um, it's, it's like a metaphor for what's also happening with their ownership where everything just feels like it's in purgatory right now. Uh, and they're, they're just kind of in between, <laughs> in between a bunch of things, but they could really kind of make, make the picture a lot clearer with a, a quarterback pick. Levis makes a lot of sense and, and, you know, kind of just try to start new and be like, all right, this is our guy. We're building around the, him. We haven't had a guy to build around a young guy to build around in a very long time. And, uh, it would it would make it make a lot of sense for them to do that, but Washington never does what makes sense. Let's see. It's been quiet on quarterbacks for a while. Yeah. Oh wow. <clears throat> okay. It looks like the commanders are taking Emmanuel Forbes. Wow. That's that's interesting. 
The commanders are commandering. Mm. Forbes is a player. Um, he had a lot of production at Mississippi State. He's extremely fast, uh, you know, talented cornerback. But the idea of an NFL cornerback weighing in under 170 pounds seems um, you got to be pretty hopeful um, for that to, to translate to the NFL because you know, in, in college football, if you're the fastest player on the field, that can make a big difference for how you play. But in the NFL, you can't just be the fastest player on the field because players are as fast as you They're and they're bigger too. And, you know, lining up a 170 pound cornerback across from AJ Brown uh, does not. That was exactly seem like, what I was going to say. Yeah. does not seem like the best possible way to uh, build, build your defense. And I could be wrong. You know, he could, he, he could put on weight. He could be, you know, the the defensive version of Devontae Smith where he's too skilled and too athletic for the size to matter. But, you know, cornerback is mostly a reactive position. You know, you're being dictated to by what the offense is doing. And when you're a smaller player who can get who could get pushed around at the line or can get bullied um, at the catch point by larger wide receivers, you know, that's a big concern. And uh this is, you know, it's, it's a player that I'm a little bit lower on than a lot of, I think, the draft community. So obviously the commanders are really betting on that athleticism, really betting on that on, on his ball skills. But for me as an Eagles fan, I'm saying, well, let's see if he can cover 220 pounds, uh, A.J. Brown. Yeah, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is sitting there. I mean, and everybody has him. But it just, again teams have their own boards and it is it is just sometimes weird to try and get inside their heads and figure out why it is they have these players ranked the way they do because they obviously have him ranked ahead of christian gonzalez and i don't i would be fascinated to to find out how many other teams had a similar ranking yeah the gonzalez stuff is really is really interesting because on paper he has everything you'd want from an nfl cornerback he's six one he's around 200 pounds he's extremely athletic he played two years at Oregon. He uh, he had great ball production. He's a decent tackler, not a great tackler, but a decent tackler. And for him now to be the you know have two cornerbacks go ahead of them is, is pretty surprising. Is this another instance of the of a front office just outsmarting themselves? That's what it feels like. I, I mean, I, I just the the Forbes stuff is it, it, it's hard to because it's like if you really wanted to, if you wanted to go pure athlete at corner, you know, Deontay Banks from Maryland is also on the board still, and he is as good of an athlete as Emmanuel Forbes, and and is actually has a little bit more muscle on him, a little bit closer to NFL size, so you know. Like I said, it's it's not a it's not a player I've been as high on as a lot of uh, other people in the draft community, and obviously not as high as the uh, the commanders front office. But you know, in terms of what he does very well, he is a great athlete. I mean, he moves incredibly well. He had the speed to run with receivers in the SEC. Um, he's very skilled. His footwork is great. You know, he he plays man and zone coverage very well. He's a smart player. And, you know, he got a ton of production, uh, you know, intercepting the football, which is which is a valuable thing to have on your defense. But 
the make or break for him is going to be can a player his size play at the NFL level at a high level. And, you know, for a cornerback to be weighing under 170 pounds is, is unprecedented, unprecedented uh, in the NFL. Mark McMillan is very happy right now, though. So that's, yeah. that's important. Tiny little man, tiny man yeah. playing cornerback. He's actually pretty good back in the day. Yeah. Those guys are few and far between. Yeah. Different, different, different kinds certainly of not a first round pick. Uh, you're lining up against. Yeah. Different era. Yeah. Yeah. Also, going back to the Micah no. Parsons thing, apparently said he was sick to his stomach. And then Jalen, or not Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown. AJ Brown <laughs> just sat there and aggressively rubbed it in his face. Man, the NFL community is not happy the Eagles got him. And it's a blessed day. Are we turning into the villains? Are we becoming the villains? Yeah. The oh, yeah. Embrace oh, it. So sweet. Embrace it. It's so oh, it's so good to be an Eagles fan sometimes. It's weird because there are times when you kind of want to jump off a tall building. But pretty, pretty well, I mean, yeah, last year I really felt like, you know, as the season was going on, I'm like, are we are we starting something kind of special here? Like a moment like 2017 was really awesome. It came out of nowhere. And last year came out of nowhere too, but Last year, it just the Super Bowl almost felt inevitable at a certain point in the season. 2017, I think, felt like that for a bit, and then Carson went down, and we all lost our minds. But it, last year, it just felt like this team was a machine. Like it was just methodical how they beat people. They didn't blow a lot of teams out, but it was just yeah. Methodical. I, I think it was the and Titans game just, where I was like, okay, we're going to be in the Super Bowl, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's just like manhandling <laughs> them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think 2017 yeah. really felt like a like like even even when Wentz was playing, it felt like a Cinderella run where we're like, okay, we're good kind of out of nowhere right now. But last year, like you said, like we're just it was just like a realization where like, oh, we're just really good. Like the whole roster is great and the yeah. coaching is great. Everybody's buying in. So you know, it did feel it does feel like the start of something special. So the hope is that um it is. <laughs> it's weird because yeah. I, you know, you think about some of the the years where we go into it, right? And you're like, you, you, before the season even starts, you're like, this is our year. Look at this roster. Who's going to beat us? You know, 16-0, and 0, Super Bowl, here we come, right? And those are the years you come in and you go 4-12, you know, and 12, like dream team year, right? So that's what happens. Then there's these years where you come in, you're like, you know, th they've got some good pieces, but we'll see. But those have been 2017 and and the 2022 year, like I remember going into 2017 and, you know, they signed LeGarrette Blunt, they bring in Chris Long, they bring in Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, like they do all this stuff. And you're like, I mean, this could like really work out, but also like the Eagles, you know, quarterback in a second year. Yeah. We'll see what happens. You light the damn world on fire. Yeah. Same thing this year. They make all the right moves. They adjust everything. You know, they trade for AJ Brown. They had just drafted Devonte Smith the year prior. They do all the right things. And you're like, you know, we have to rely on Jalen Hurts to take that big step. Can he take that step? Is he going to, you know, be the quarterback that we hope he can be? Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, it felt very Patriots-like last year, how they rolled through. And that's what I keep coming back to. You know, it's like if this team can, if Jalen Hurts can continue to do what he does and the offense is going to stay together for, for a little while, the defense, they can keep kind of replacing some pieces here like they did tonight. Um, 
this could be a really good team for a long time. And asking for a Patriots run is not reasonable, but a good four or five year run where they're just the assassins of the NFL. Um, There's a real chance that this is what we're looking at. But again, there's still a lot that needs to happen before we get there. But that's 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 the goal. I mean, I think this is you're looking at you know, we've talked about the Chiefs as a dynasty. Maybe the Eagles are building towards something like that. We'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah. Christian I, Gonzalez I, I, is officially off the board to the Patriots. Speaking of the Patriots, right. That there happened. you go. And with that, let's wrap it up really quick. What do you think the Eagles are going to do at 30? Are they going to stay at 30 and make a pick? Are they going to trade out of the first round? Are they going to trade up and surprise everybody? What do you think is going to happen with this next pick before we hop out of here? I, I, I think it's going to be uh, Nolan Smith or Brian Branch. That that those are my shots. I think they're going to stay in the first round, maybe move up, maybe stay where they are. But I think it's going to be one of Nolan Smith or Brian Branch. I think they're going to keep adding to that defense. You know, safety is a big hole after Marcus Epps and and uh, CJ Gardner Johnson left, and you know Branch is somebody who could come in and play both safety spots at a high level. And uh, and then Nolan Smith would just you know turbocharge their already insane offensive or defensive line. He could he could rotate in with Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick you know, bring a lot of, a lot more speed to the, to that group. And uh, he'd also be just a versatile piece for Sean Desai in his defense. So I think those are really smart picks. I know that they were high on Nolan Smith. It could have been a pick at 10. So if he's, if he's hanging around in the, in the early twenties, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to m- make a move up for him. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I, I think that's, that sounds good. And I think if they, if they do move out of the first round, it'll be for a team that wants to grab if Will Levis is still there or Hendon Hooker is still there, they'll move out of the first round, move back down like nine or 10 spots and <clears throat> grab a cornerback there, grab a safety, grab a, a running back in, in that spot, maybe even grab a tight end. They really could use a backup tight end and seeing what's left on the board at that point. Uh, that could be a target as well. But um, I, I think, I think as this is falling, I think it's more likely they move up from 30 than it is they move back. And I wouldn't have said that yeah, earlier in the day. I yeah, I think this is, this is shaken out way differently, I think, than most people would. And, you know, I think people really just are hesitant to let a guy who puts mayo in his coffee leave their locker room. I think that's questionable. <laughs> and tr- truth be told, I get it. Like, I can understand where some of these other potential, you know, red flags can be sort it out how are you going to get a group of grown men to trust <laughs> another grown man who puts mayo in his coffee if your boss point. at work told you that every day he scoops a dollop of mayo in his coffee and that's the best way to start the day do you trust that man going forward <laughs> or woman that's not my leader yeah, exactly I, I don't know about like, that. i don't even really like mayonnaise <laughs> on a sandwich so i don't know if i'd like it on a cup of coffee either well, I can assure you I would not like it in my cup of coffee. Will Levis. Yeah. That was the whole thing. He puts mayo. What was the yeah, other psychopaths thing? do there that. There was another thing. It was mayo in his coffee, and there was that one more weird thing. Well, here's here's a deal. And I think we saw this with Carson a little bit. If you are a weird guy, quarterback's not the best position to draft somebody who's a little off kilter. And we're making fun of the, the mayonnaise and the coffee thing, but it, it speaks to a larger thing where, you know, yes. With a quarterback, you you want somebody who can relate to everybody and who's not an oddball. I don't. I'm trying to think of oddball quarterbacks who were really, yeah, exactly, who who were really popular and really successful. And I don't, 
I'm sure there have been some, but none of them are leaving. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the guys I, I can think of Aaron off Rogers. the top of my head are, are you know, Aaron Rodgers is definitely an oddball, but, you know, he's so he was yeah, so good that it didn't matter yeah. for a, a long enough time. It didn't matter. And I guess, like, I mean, Tom, to an extent. Yeah, the, the whole TV too. 12 thing and the avocado ice yeah, cream. Yeah, he got like, weird. Yeah, he yeah got he, weird. he's got that that Tom Cruise dead behind the eyes kind of look to him. But to a certain level, you got to think that, like, to also be that good at what I think is the hardest position in sports, you also have to be a little bit unwell to, like, get there. Sure. So I think think every, every, like, great quarterback has that, like, weird aspect to their personality. But um, not every quarterback is putting mayo in their coffee. You've got to be, like, Mm -hmm. a little insane to, like, just decide one day that you want to squat 600 pounds. Right. But that's the kind of a little off kilter, a little insane that you need to be. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like a cool way. People were like, Oh, you're like crazy. But like you, you would like, you, you would, uh, you know, you jump on a grenade for me, but like with Will Levis, you're like, okay, you're crazy, but you're kind of weird. Like it's not, it's not cool the way that you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's jumping on a grenade crazy and there's making grenades in yeah, your basement yeah, crazy. Right. And you want to yeah. be the former, yeah. not the latter. And I think that's a really good place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I Stop think it. I think right there is where we need to wrap this one up. So we're about halfway through halfway we are halfway through the draft. Right now I had to do some quick math in my head, which I'm not very good at, but halfway through the draft. The Eagles have got their guy. They jumped up to get their guy to make sure and secure that he would be an Eagles green. So far, I haven't really seen anything negative about it. So hope everybody in Eagles Nation is super, super, super happy with that. I'm sure we'll all stay up to see what they do at 30. But thank you so much for everyone joining us tonight, coming in, chatting with us in the comments. Thank you for hanging out with us for the last hour and a half. Make sure you're subscribed on BGN Radio anywhere you get your podcast. Leave a five-star rating, written review, thumbs up, the whole thing. We're going to have plenty of stuff coming out, especially as OTAs are getting started and then going into the summer, preseason, and all that good stuff. For myself, John, Ben, Rachel, thank you for joining us on BGN Radio. Go Birds, and we will see you soon.